0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Assassination Nation. My name
1: is Lily Coulson, and I'm 18 years old. These are my three best friends, M, Bex, and Sarah. And this is the 100% true story of how my town, Salem, lost its motherfucking mind. But let's start at the beginning. Actually not here, because what I did that afternoon was really gross.
0: Whoa, the principal's shit got hacked. Dude's fucking butt. I don't have, like, any sympathy for people that get their shit hacked. For real? There's two types of people in this world. People that have come to terms with privacy is just dead. Then there's the old people that are still trying to fight it. What do you have to hide anyway, Lil? A million nudes, super gross porn history, and, like, life-altering shit talk about everyone in this school.
2: (laughs) I think it was some, like, socially conscious vigilante hacker guy. Probably jacks off to Fight Club in his mom's basement, like, every night.
3: Looks like half of Salem just got hacked. <laughs> I hate the fucking internet.
1: When 17,000 people's texts and emails get leaked, shit gets really fucking weird.
0: We got some Salem bitches on the right! Slay them high, motherfucker.
1: Who sees a naked photo of a girl and their first thought is... Yo, I gotta kill this bitch.
0: You think you're going, Billy? Way more people than you'd think. Don't test me! Fuck you. Don't test
1: me! This is your world. You built this. Don't take your hate out on me. I just got here.
0: may kill me but she can't kill us all you sure you even know how to hold that thing little girl (laughs) all right everyone you were just listening to the trailer for assassination nation and the story is as follows High school senior Lily and her three best friends live in a haze of texts, posts, selfies, and chats, just like the rest of the world. Their small town gets turned upside down when an anonymous hacker starts to reveal personal messages and secrets of thousands of people. As anger erupts into full-blown violence, the four girls soon find themselves in a fight for their lives against an armed mob. The film is starring Odessa Young, Suki Waterhouse, Haurie Neth, Abra, Anika Nani-Rose, Coleman D- Domingo, Maud, Apatal, Joe McHale, Bella Thorne, and Cody Christian. It is written and directed by Sam Levinson. Joining me for this review, I have Beatrice Loiza. Hello, hello. And if I am getting this correct for the first time ever on a uh, podcast review here on the Next Best Picture podcast, it is Dan Baer from Next Best Theater.
3: Hey guys, and yes, that is correct. Happy to be here.
0: And also joining us, Dan's not the only one as a first time here. We also have a guest from insessionfilm.com. We have Kate Boyle. Hi. All right, everyone. So, Assassination Nation. I don't mean to hype this up in any way shape or form, but this has been my favorite film of 2018 so far. Uh, since I saw it back at Sundance earlier this year. Nothing has dethroned it yet for me, Um, and that should give you an idea of how I feel about this movie, but I don't want that to be pressure on any of you, because believe me when I tell you, I know that this movie will ignite some emotions within people, and it is not for everyone, so don't feel afraid to point out if you think this movie is the worst thing you have seen this year. But let's find out. First and foremost, let's head over to our guest, Kate Boyle. What did you think of Assassination Nation?
2: Um, I liked it. I was actually really surprised um, because I think I saw a trailer maybe twice before I saw the movie, and I had zero interest in seeing this. I was like, it's going to be like a purge, mean girls, weird thing, and I had no interest. But then um, I saw it yesterday and was pleasantly surprised. Um, I agree. It's going to be kind of divisive and there's gonna be people that like hate it and then others that love it. And it kind of ended up being sort of like a girl power twist at
0: the end and I really liked that. Alright. Let's move over to hear what Dan has to say. Dan, what did you think of Assassination Nation?
3: Um similar to Kate, actually I had only seen a trailer like maybe once or twice before and thought it looked like an unholy mess. And I was really impressed by how how much it won me over um, and how quickly it won me over. Actually, I I was just really, really impressed with it and enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And Beatrice, are we going to go four for four here? <laughs> um,
1: well, I, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was really well-paced and fun like horror action movie that addresses a lot of hot-button issues today. Like nature of privacy, kink shaming, all these female stereotypes. Um, But I kind of, I felt like I already knew what I was getting into. And I like these sorts of movies. I like crazy pulp movies. I think this this one in particular had so much to say about a lot of really important things. And I ultimately think it never got to the meat of those things in a way that I felt was kind of buzzwordy. Um, But aside from that, I thought it was really fun. And I like how it's playing with so many artistic influences. Um, So I I definitely liked it, but it kind of didn't meet my expectations.
0: Okay, so liked it, but didn't quite get there. I understand that too, because for me, upon a second viewing this time around, I think once I let the hype kind of weared down because the first time i saw this i saw it with a packed theater bunch of people late at night i mean it was the world premiere no one had any idea what to expect from this movie and it just completely knocked us on our asses in a way that just felt so empowering and so adrenaline pumping in so many ways that it was just like the movie is condemning uh, male testosterone and yet My testosterone was all the way up while watching this. I was like, this movie, (laughs) like, freaking rocks, you know? Because before we do get to, like, the end, 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 not even the first half, like, 75% of the movie, it's almost like a horror film. Yeah. And there are some scenes that are very, very uncomfortable and very hard to watch. And I do feel that the way that the film kind of gets around that, at least a little bit for me, is it's very, very, very upfront with what kind of a film it is. And that is evidenced by the trigger warnings that display at the front of the film. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, they tell you this is what this movie is going to contain. If you know, be, be prepared, you are warned. <laughs> so going into that, I expected to be offended. And I was many, many times while watching it. I definitely took issue with. Uh, Some of the uh, language that was used towards the uh, female characters, they're constantly referred to as uh, bitches and other really um, terrible words. And I wasn't really liking any of that. And I was hoping that the film was going to make a point at some point. And like I said, towards the end of the film, it did. And it did so in a way that, yes, it is kind of, you know, fantastical and it's not supposed to be reality based in any way, shape or form but the message was very, very clear. And so, like I said, first time I saw it, I was really, really um, excited about what this movie was saying, its ideas. And on a second viewing, what I kind of found as a fault within the film is that the film's ideas are still very strong. It's still tackling a lot of issues that me personally, um, I think about, very, very often, and I think that's why this film resonated a lot for me, was it took everything that I hated about the world and said, fuck you to it, which, (laughs) you know, love it for that reason. But there really aren't any characters in this movie. There's a lot of story but not a lot of characters. The, 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 the characters that are here, their dialogue is talking about the film's themes and messages and kind of hitting you over the head very bluntly with the arguments that are being made as opposed to being presented as fully fleshed out characters.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. That was another problem I had with the movie. I found the characters to be a bit um, undeveloped. Uh, the main character, Lily and Bex, um, who's played by Harry Neff, uh, she's a tr- plays a trans woman or the trans girl mm-hmm. member of the group, and those are the two girls I think that we get the most in terms of character development. Yeah, but even they're sort of explained in terms of their their gendered identities. Like, they're all sort of woke, sex positive, feminist characters, like the whole girl gang. But then Lily, in particular, is supposed to be like this witch whore woman that everyone will eventually <laughs> end up blaming, and then Bex is kind of. I thought she was a little reduced to her identity as a trans woman and her storyline kind of devolved along those lines. Um, I really liked her character, but I kind of wanted more out of her.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned um, the witch, uh, you know, word to use to describe Lily, and the fact that this takes place in a fictional town known as Salem. And the film does kind of present the, mob mentality of the internet and how the internet will gang up on you for what ultimately adds up to lies with absolutely no proof. It's funny how in this day and age, we're living in a world where, you know, Twitter and other social media outlets are essentially the 2018 version of the Salem witch trials.
3: Yeah. And it is kind of a sort of like a 21st century, um, witch hunt, is what it all devolves into. And since the internet to many people is magic, (laughs) um, it really sort of hammers that point home. And I mean, I kind of agree that the characters are not outside of Lily. The characters are not so well drawn. Um, I, I was actually similar to Beatrice. I was kind of disappointed that Bex really does get kind of reduced to, Oh, she's just the trans one because uh, that's really the only thing that differentiates her from any of the others in the group.
0: Although I do have to give the film bonus points for casting a trans woman to play a trans woman. <laughs> yeah.
3: Right. And I, I was, I was so, so pleased to see that. And like that alone deserves it. You know, the film deserves all the credit in the world for that, for even including that character and for then having an actual trans actress play her. And I was like, yeah, skirling the whole time. Um, (laughs) 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 But I mean, even Lily, like they're mostly defined by what happens to them, these characters. But I think, I think just with, with Lily, it's done more effectively than within the others, there, there's the that one scene um, after it's sort of, you know, all, everyone's histories have come out and her boyfriend finds out and he's asking her if, you know, it was her with this married man and he's calling her a whore and bitch and all this stuff. And her voiceover is like, this is the first boy I fell in love with. The first boy who told me he loves me, who made me feel comfortable, who made me feel pretty and all this stuff. And I was sort of knocked out by how emotional
0: I got. (laughs) Oh, the scene that got me with the emotion was uh, the scene with her and her parents, actually. And I thought that was her finest acting in the movie where she's just begging her mother. Oh, yeah, that was dark. (laughs) That was bad. Oh, yeah, that was so hard to Uh, that. That's like one of those scenes where it's not violent or graphic. But the emotion of it all, like, really, really took me and really hit me in a, in a way that it was very unexpected. And I got to give so much credit to Odessa Young, who, despite the fact that her character is thinly written and she's more of a construct for the film's themes and ideas, um, I thought she really, really brought it in this.
3: Yeah, she was great. They, they all were. All the girls were really good. She had the most to work with, and she definitely responded in kind. Yeah. Uh, her face is she's wonderful.
2: Um, I agree. Like, one of the like, kind of notes I made about it was that if you don't feel for Lily or identify with Lily, you're not going to really like the movie. Because, I mean, she sets the bar like right at the beginning with her speech with the principal, and you know immediately what kind of character she is. And um, I think she does a good job. Um, I really liked her. I, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Was trying to look through she looked she has one of those faces she looks really really familiar but I can't place where I've seen her um, but I think she did a great job um, the I agree the scene with the parents that got me especially because I the actress that plays the mother I know her from like the mighty ducks and I'm like oh she can't be mean like she's not allowed
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the scene with the principal yes you're right in that it does set up who the character of Lily Coulson is and you know in talking about what she does represent I, I this is where i i really feel the meat and potatoes of this movie really shines through is that it gives us a lot of talking points uh, to talk about society and the world today especially in this internet age i love that she is a free-spirited person who is not afraid to be herself but yet what she's doing is she's being herself online And society, the old way of living, the old way of how we're trying to guard our privacy and keep everything in sort of a like social order, um, we, we, you know, we would look down upon that. um, But she's representing a a, a new way of thinking, which is not like however you are online. That's who you really are. That's your true self. And you could try to hide it all you want in the real world. And when she does try to let pieces of that shine through, she has authority figures like her parents, like the principal, and others trying to hold her back from being who she really is. And who she really is, as she makes that argument to the principal, is not graphic. It's not pornographic. It's not vulgar. It's a true expression of life.
3: I actually had a bit of an issue with that scene with the principal just because I am listening to her argument. And I'm like, okay, hey, yeah, this all makes sense. But a high schooler, is, is that really how the high schoolers think today?
0: <laughs> or like yeah, how you a, get a small group of high schoolers <laughs> would think? <laughs> I, I think that, you know, uh, putting an iPhone in the hands of a four-year-old now – and giving them Snapchat. I mean, look at 8th Grade, which came out earlier yeah. this year, you know. Um, that's And obviously that's a little bit later. That's four, age 14 years old. But we see just how things like Snapchat, Instagram, and everything is just changing the way that this new generation, um, the generation before us and, and, you know, in our age – you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger, how they are growing up in today's world and how that is shaping their thinking. So I, I while I understand where you would take issue with that, Dan, I would actually say that it is more accurate than you think.
3: Yeah, I, I, It was just like, and it wasn't a problem in that, like, I didn't believe it. I just sort of, like, questioned, like, really? But, I mean, she she delivers the those lines really well. And since the movie was so blunt in other areas about it's stating its themes in that way. I I didn't mind it so much.
0: Sure. Um, So one of the things too, and sticking with the the character of the principal in many ways, you know, I look at what happens to him in this movie and how he is forced to resign from his position because he gets hacked and his information gets leaked out online and people are, taking things way too far calling him a uh, child molester and all of these things that clearly he's not he's uh, he's clearly uh, the film establishes him as a decent man and things are taken out of context and you know the town just simply runs away with this idea of who this man really is and nobody wants to listen to the truth I found that to just be so heartbreaking because I feel like we see that so much online nowadays where people's reputations, their careers um, are ruined without any kind of tangible proof or evidence. And a lot of it is all hearsay and it's just a matter of what catches wind. And so it goes back to a line that Lily says in the movie that uh, really – once again resonated with me, where she says 10% of the population is cruel, 10% is merciful, and the other 80% can be swayed in either direction. Does anyone see any truth in that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. a lot. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I, I felt so bad for him, because like, I was on Lily's side, he's not, he wasn't a pedophile or anything like that, and it was like pictures of his daughter, which I think every parent has, pictures of their Young kids. Um, I don't know about now, um, but I know back in the olden days of film, people did. But um, but I've seen that online with some people. They express one opinion and just get like shot down immediately, and then get ganged up on, especially on Twitter. What was it uh, the Captain Marvel trailer was one where I saw that that happening with some people. They try to expect, uh, express a slightly different opinion, and then just ten people would jump on them and just crucify them. And so I yeah, definitely see that all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I think this really challenges that optimistic idea that, that society is you know, able to come to an opinion about something on a case-by-case basis and like, actually think through it. Um, and while that's definitely possible, I think on the Internet it's just kind of reduced to our most, our meanest impulses, our most pessimistic ones. And especially for, I think, I guess people of our generation or older generations, it's sometimes hard to confront that reality. And here it was so heartbreaking with the principle because you could clearly see that, you know, Lily's opinion on the matter, that he's not guilty, is like a reasoned individual's conclusion but that's not how the rest of society is reacting in this case.
3: Yeah, that was the scene that I liked better was the scene with her family at dinner when they're sort of discussing the principles. Like that everything in that scene felt really true and like these things that these characters actually would say to each other in that situation in real life. Whereas a lot of the rest of the movie is sort of like, you're just stating these things that a you know college philosophy student put in your mouth. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, is fine and oftentimes works anyway. But that scene was one of the ones that felt really real and like these characters were actually having this discussion. And yeah, again, like it's it's so easy to side with Lily, especially when they're like, no, he's a pedophile. Like it, it's his daughter like if you're thinking that he sexualizes his own daughter, that's on you. (laughs) Like, if that's where your mind goes, the first thing, that's on you. That's not on him.
0: Right. And I I do think that what the film then does, that's, um, uh, it's a bit jarring. I'm not going to lie. The film kind of kicks it from like 80 miles an hour to 180 miles an hour uh, when it jumps forward (laughs) one week in the timeline. And it shows then how absolutely insane the mob mentality of this town has become and it is supposed to be prophetic in a way i suppose to like show us as you know as a society today that if we get rid of all established order and um everything that we have in place uh in terms of human decency and respect and we let the mob mentality of the internet kind of take over within the real world well let me put it this way it's more horrifying than the purge in my opinion yeah (laughs) yeah um there were sequences in that uh third act that scared me more than any of the purge films have at all and uh i think that that was clearly evident in this masterful one shot that is done of the home invasion oh god Uh, people are gonna be talking about that (laughs) so good man The tension felt in that was so horrifying, and the fact that it was done, I think, I I, I believe it's like a five or seven minute take where the camera is just gliding from window to window all in one shot. Just the timing and everything involved in that, it it was splitting my hairs, and I kept thinking to myself while watching it, this is supposed to be an independent film, right? I'm like like where how did they come up with the creativity and like get the means and resources to pull off a shot like this it was it was jaw-dropping
3: so good they actually um they have uh, New York Times online has a video of the director talking about that shot and how they did it and yeah he said they only had budget I think to do it only a couple times and the one that was <laughs> that was in that is actually in the movie um one of the home invaders he uh, pushes M against the window and breaks the glass of the window. And that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. So after that, because they did not have the budget, they couldn't go back and do it again because the window was broken now. So they had to <laughs> use that.
0: Take. Hey, well, you know what? It worked out pretty well as far as I was concerned. Oh,
3: my God, it worked out great. And I thought that shot was so brilliant. And like it, I don't think we've ever seen, like the closest thing that I could think of to something like that scene is in the bling ring where they're they're filming, um, the girls robbing the house from like, you know, miles away or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but I've never seen a home invasion done like this and it puts you so in the moment and it's that whole Hitchcockian thing of like, if you show the audience, the bomb, then the scene is suspenseful. Because we know what is happening in every other room of this house as we see – you know, go and follow another character. And it just becomes more and more horrifying as it goes on.
0: And like I said, because the film then uh, does a huge jump from 80 to 180 miles an hour in this third act, we don't really know what to expect. Like how far is this film going to push the envelope and go uh, when it gets to its really bonkers, bloody, crazy third act? And so – that aspect of it is pretty horrifying. And I mean, what happens to Bex especially, um, or, or at least what's alluded that's going to happen to Bex. I mean, it just, it, it made me sad. It made me angry. It just, like I was saying in the beginning of this podcast, it ignited so many emotions.
3: Yeah. And that was <laughs> one of my, my absolute favorite of all the trigger warnings to listen in The beginning was the very last one. Fragile male egos, yeah. <laughs> 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 which is just like, yup. Yeah, yeah, that's very
0: triggering right now.
3: And lo and behold, this is what happens with the fragile male egos. And it's horrible.
0: One, one of my favorite moments in the movie, and it's an underrated moment that I don't think a lot of people uh, will think of right away uh, when they look back on this movie, is how, and I don't want to give spoilers, but there is a moment of mercy shown yeah. in the third act. Oh, yeah. And that kind of, because, re- you know, on one hand, I'm expecting this to be full-blown Robert Rodriguez. Quentin Tarantino, blow his head off, blood and guts, audience clapping, cheering moment. But instead to have like this graceful moment of mercy instead, despite everything that just happens minutes before, um, I found that to be extremely poignant and a slight, slight glimmer of hope that we as a society can learn from, you know, these mistakes and actually come out better in the end and choose the right path instead of going down a morally destructive path instead.
3: Yeah, I I, I that was one of those thing I thought that was a really, really well acted moment. And um, it was one of the things that kept the movie from being completely nihilistic and just being really, really, really Angry. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a pissed the fuck off movie, and until that moment at the end, it's just like doom and gloom. Yeah, but I think that that moment w- was necessary for the movie, and I think it plays really well.
1: Yeah, definitely gives the girls higher ground, um, especially since that whole third act where things go batshit kind of devolves into like a horror movie or i was thinking a lot of sort of 80s slasher movies yep and then there's a scene in particular uh when lily is in the bathroom or trapped in the bathroom and there's like blood all over the place and, <laughs> when she, and when she gets out of there she's so blood soaked and it reminded me of not an 80s slasher film but uh a more recent horror film, The Descent. It's
3: immediately yes,
2: I
1: thought of. Yeah, so yeah.
3: The me Descent. too. Me too.
1: <laughs> yeah, very cool.
0: And what I love about that scene in particular is how um, she emerges from it a different person. She emerges from it a more confident leader for this movement that is taking place. And the rallying call that is held at the end of the film. It's probably my favorite moment of the entire movie at that point, point. Um, and you're watching all these other teenage girls listen to her message, and oh my god, just like seeing them march down the street and the music coming together, and yeah. they got the red coats and the front and just all the guns and everything. Oh my lord. I, like... I, I, I can think of like only a few cinematic moments from this year that like hit me in just such a powerful way, and that, that was one of them. That was it.
3: Was I the only one who that entire when she's giving that speech at the end and all the teen girls joining in? Was I the only one who immediately thought of the finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer?
2: No.
3: <laughs> okay, Because <God. laughs> I'm like, oh my god, it's Buffy all over again. <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> but, you know, the fact that she's calling out the righteous hypocrisy of oh, the god, world yes. today yes. and how, you know, everyone wants to have this – They wanna have these rules in place, but they can't abide by them themselves even. And it's just so true of not only of politicians, but everyday normal people you experience in your lives. And we just need to let go of that. You know, a a common thing that I have thought of a lot as I've gotten older is how prevalent cursing is in everyday vernacular and vocabulary and how it's a common thing amongst friends and, you know, maybe even coworkers. I don't know, it depends, I suppose on your on your social uh, circles. But in like my experience, if I use cursing in front of my parents, they get like extremely upset with me. And, you know, I'm at an age now where I just I don't see how it harms and I don't and I don't really care um, how they feel about it because it's just words in the end. And, you know, it's like one of those things where, you know, it's an example of the old guard and how in this modern day and age where the internet is at our fingertips and there's so much access to so much violence and so much nudity and so much vulgarity and everything else, I think that we just need to accept the fact that we cannot necessarily protect our children um, and the new generation from that. And we have to raise them to accept it and understand the difference between what is actually right and wrong. And that's even a harder line to cross, um, I believe, in, in, in terms of, getting this new generation um, into a better place than the last before it. (laughs)
2: great. Yeah, yeah, one of the things that, it wasn't, I'm not gonna say the worst thing about the movie, but like the scariest thing about the movie for me was like how I could totally see that happening or something similar, like how realistic it was. Because I can, especially with the way things are now, how um, polarized everyone is, I was just like, yeah, this could probably happen. And that's what really hit hard for me.
0: Oh, you mean like an actual mobilized riot? of Yeah, people that can, are like, Yeah, there's yeah.
2: some news story. Something could break. Somebody did something, and that could happen somewhere.
0: Sure, I don't think yeah. it would be worldwide or anything like that, but I could definitely see a lot of angry people coming together, and yeah, I, that that true. that's very true. I mean, we see that in um, the Handmaid's Tale, even. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So, and it's just it's very um, it's scary. And I do feel that when you watch the film, you're supposed to feel scared. I do believe you're supposed to feel angry. And I do believe that there are those who are going to watch this movie and they're not going to like how it's making them feel. And they're also going to look at some of the flaws that the movie has. And admittedly, there are some. Don't get me wrong. Uh, We pointed out some of them already in this episode, but. I, I do believe that what the film is actually trying to say and what it you know and how it's going about saying it, it's presenting it in a pulpy genre, you know, action style flick, exploitation, whatever you want to call it. That's meant to be one of those B level movies you stream on Netflix with your friends and, you know, a few cases of beer or something like that. You know what I mean? It's not meant to be high art. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I did get like a like a Japanese slasher action movie vibe from it, especially the girls in the red coats. Running around like, oh, well, aren't they watching actually like a movie they at are. that point? Yeah, yeah. What movie was that? Um, oh, God, no I'm,
0: clue. I don't know. <laughs> and I, you know what? I should have looked it up before we started this.
2: Yeah, because I was trying to find it, but there's like not a lot of information about the movie online yet. And but yeah, I just I totally got the girl power girl assassin Japanese film vibe from it oh yeah
0: I guarantee you this makes Quentin Tarantino's 10 best list of the year
2: (laughs) oh yeah he's gonna love this movie
0: absolutely
2: he's gonna be mad he didn't get a cameo (laughs) that was the one thing I I did notice going in is um the random people that showed up in it like Jennifer Morrison from house is in it really yeah and the um scene where the one woman is beating up the other one in the grocery store parking lot like dumps
0: juice on her that's Jennifer Morrison. That is oh. – I wonder who else is now in this. Wow. Well, that's very fascinating. Hmm. Well, with that said, let's move over to final thoughts, grade out of 10, Oscar potential. Uh, let's move it over first to our guest, Kate. Uh, what would you grade Assassination Nation out of 10?
2: Um, I gave it like a 7, 7.5. I don't know if I can give halves, but that's probably <laughs> – I didn't quite make it to an eight for me. Um, I needed more from the characters, but definitely solid seven, seven and a half.
0: Okay, uh, Dan,
3: uh, I would probably go with an eight uh, for my grade out of ten. Um, it's it's a blast, literally and figuratively.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of style in this movie you know, like the upside down shots and,
3: Oh my God. It, it throws, it's one of those movies that throws a lot of the wall and see what, see, to see what sticks. And I, mm, I was shocked that most of it actually did stick for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's the scene where they have the split screen editing for the party scene. Oh my
3: God, that was so yeah.
0: good. <laughs> like, like things like that and how they also use the split screen to also show, um, from the perspective of people's camera phones, because it's uh, shaped in the same uh, format yeah. as that, like uh, little things like that. I, I, I really appreciated the artistic flourishes of this movie.
3: Yeah, I definitely style over substance, but I, the style like became part of the substance and really loved that.
0: Beatrice.
1: So I'm still teetering between a six and a seven. I really can't decide just yet. I feel like saw this movie last night and Going back and forth between elements I really liked, which in particular for me was the cinematography. It's really unique and beautiful. And then what I didn't like is I felt that it had a hard time going back and forth from that satire to the sincerity and like the social message aspect of it. I felt that like at the end when Lily delivers that whole empowering message, it felt like Sailor Moon when she starts her fight scenes with that long speak of speech about justice. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, all right, I'll get it. Um, and then another thing that kind of brought it down for me is I couldn't help thinking of Harmony Corps and Spring Breakers, which Damn. I really like. <laughs> um, and I think that movie talks about this unhinged, sexual liberation of teen girls and it's also super batshit but it doesn't really like pander in the same way but you still feel that they're super badass and empowered and they doesn't need to be explicit explicitly feminist so i don't know I, I like that movie better and the fact that i don't know there's something above it that i am relating so closely it kind of brings it down but i did have a really good time and I will have to think about it some more six or a seven? Oh no
0: <laughs> I'm not letting you get off the hook that easily
1: oh, <laughs> uh I I'll give it a seven for now
0: okay and I'm actually uh going to change my initial grade reaction um because, like I said, I do admit that upon a rewatch, um, the film's flaws actually became a little bit more apparent to me than they did the first time, and I do believe that some of that was festival hype, as it were, watching it with a large, large audience of people the real thing. that were really, <laughs> yeah, that were really into it. I watched it the second time in a theater with just a few people, which also made me a little sad. But whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm actually lowering my grade from a nine to an eight. Um, But it is still my personal favorite film of the year so far, mostly because, like I said, it just takes a lot of issues that I've had a lot of issues with and really tackles them head on in a blunt sort of way that I just I can't like I don't know. It's like I can't make it any more clear to the world how much toxic masculinity online toxicity, like everything in this world that's just toxic and foul and god awful about the way that we treat each other nowadays. Uh, Like it just really, really strikes a chord with me. And I see that take place more so than anywhere online. And it's weird because I've had interactions with people online that were downright nasty. But then when you see them in real life, and you talk to them, they are putting on like a different it, it, like it, it's like those if it never happened, and they're like t- more polite and like whatever the case might be, and it's just like I'm I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of this double standard, and it's like just just be be who you are and don't be afraid of it. And we as a society need to be more accepting of that fact. I feel like, and this film kind of calls that to action. So, you know, at the end of the day, I do feel that that this film I do feel that this film is important. Yeah, and it's also a lot of fun. Well, if you if you find you know uh, misery and uh, torture and like everything else that happens, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But anyways, mm-hmm. Assassination Nation. Uh, what a what a flawed, fucked up, but powerful film at the same time. Definitely divisive. Definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah,
1: it's going to be a cult classic. Definitely. I oh, definitely yeah.
0: think so. Oh, yeah. yeah, I could see this film being uh, looked upon in a couple of years as like. You know that B-level movie that never really, you know, caught on. But you know, we look back on it and we're just like, how did this movie not like find a larger audience? You know, like so we'll we'll see. Neon did purchase it for like thirteen million out of Sundance, and uh, yeah, it
3: was huge.
0: That's a little high, you know, for for this movie (laughs) considering how it would is probably going to perform. But I feel
3: like they're banking on it becoming a cult classic and you know midnight madness sort of thing.
0: Oh yeah they're holding on to those uh, video rights or streaming mm. rights or whatever we're going to call them nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well in any event 8 out of 10 for me uh, for Assassination Nation with that said Kate thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Oh, yeah, Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find you on the internet.
2: Um. So I write for In Session Film and I'm active on twitter um my handle's at captain hangry um my xbox gamer tag i just couldn't get rid of it um, so <laughs> apologize for that but um once people started actually talking to me on twitter i had to keep it um, so yeah um but yeah you'll see my next review on in session film probably in the next
0: couple of days so great awesome dan where can they find you on the internet
3: you can find me on twitter at dancing dan on film and
0: beatrice
1: Find me on Twitter at BeansproutBia.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. I'm going to leave you all with this message. I do it for the lulls. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, also on Acast and CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and also your support, which you can give to us by going over to Patreon. We're for $1 minimum a month. You can subscribe and get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we shall see you all next time.